today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Lots of chatter uh, from, uh, I guess, uh, the NDP and the Liberals about uh, taxing the rich. And obviously with a federal election somehow, somewhere on the horizon in the near future with a minority government that we have, obviously uh, the Prime Minister looking to parlay that into a majority. Lots of uh, political chatter, lots of programs, lots of campaigning uh, already going on, uh, waiting for the other shoe to fall, so to speak. And, and again, taxing the rich seems to be uh, you know, a buzz phrase that gets a lot of voter attention. But does it really do anything? Uh, I'm not a rich person, so I guess it seems like a great idea to tax the rich because they have it and I don't. But do we actually get anything from that? Let's bring in Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and is with us now. Franco, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. I am well, and, and thank you so much, Scott, for having me on today. So this seems like a no-brainer, Franco. I'm not a rich guy, so tax the other guy. Let's tax the rich person. He's got more than I do. Why doesn't this work? Well, uh, we like to call this uh, tax the rich mentality among these politicians really the Trojan horse of politics. And the reason we call it that is because politicians try to sell Canadians or try to sell their constituents on, hey, don't worry about all this overspending. We'll just tax the wealthy. We'll just tax the businesses. But the reason that's really a Trojan horse is because it allows politicians to get certain types of taxes through the city gates. Um, and then once the taxes are in, they expand it to cover more Canadians to end up covering uh, like everyday Canadians, working Canadians, not just those who are rich. So really, at the end of the day, we do have this massive $1 trillion debt problem federally. But these type of taxes to soak the rich, it's not going to solve that debt problem. And what we really need to see are these politicians in Ottawa actually find some savings before everyday Canadians really feel the pain here. So how will, again, you're talking about this bleeding down from the very rich and famous to the average uh, taxpayer and such, how will this affect the average taxpayer? Well, first, let's talk about the taxes in the budget, right? So we, we, we saw a luxury tax on, on swanky cars, boats, planes. We saw a tax on uh, foreign homeowners of vacant homes. We saw that in the budget. Now, we've also heard the NDP pushing for a wealth tax. We've heard them pushing for a so-called excess profits tax. But guess what? The federal government this year is spending $500 billion. So even if they brought in all of those taxes, all four of those taxes, it would only cover about a week and a half of Finance Minister Christia Freeland's spending. So there is no way that they're going to be able to uh, solve that debt problem this way. And, and that's what we're worried about. And, and we've seen this around the world. We've seen this in Canada is once politicians bring in these type of taxes to soak the rich, if you will, it ends up hurting everyday Canadians. And, and also on top of that, it can also have major implications for economy, which is still struggling here. Uh, so are there that many people out there buying the yachts and, and private planes and, and such? Uh, how much money can you make taxing, you know, big yachts and planes and such? Well, the luxury tax is, is going to bring in about $145 million. $145 million. Now, remember I said that the, the federal government is spending about $500 billion this year. So at most, it's, it's silly political posturing, right? It, we, we do want the government to be serious about the $1 trillion debt problem. But if it was really taking this debt problem serious, it wouldn't be increasing 
permanent government spending by $100 billion by 2026. Now, I said at best that this is silly political posturing. And what I mean by that is that luxury taxes can have a huge impact on the economy. We actually saw that in the United States. Back in the early 90s, they brought in a luxury tax of their own, and it ended up costing thousands of Americans working in those industries, those jobs. So it didn't just soak the rich consumers who buy luxury automobiles. It ended up hurting um, many American workers who aren't rich themselves working in those industries. Um, I, I hear that rich people have really good accountants, too. So uh, <laughs> how much of this actually sticks? Well, yeah, that's that's another great point. And, and um, you know, another thing that I'd, I'd love to kind of touch on here is, is, you know, we have seen these politicians in Canada and abroad, they bring in a tax that only covers a certain number of people, and then they expand the tax, right? Case in point is the income tax. It was brought in in 1917 to deal with that temporary World War One. Well, fast forward to today in 2021, we all know the income tax was not temporary. And when it was first brought in in 1917, it only applied to the top income earners because there were these big, big exemptions. Well, nowadays, if you are a Canadian who has a paycheck, you're, you're most likely subject to income taxes. So that's one example of how politicians will bring in a type of tax and then move the goalpost later on to capture more hardworking Canadians. Uh, the greatest way Canadians have had to to build wealth is the ability to buy a home. You buy a home, you can do that and 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 make the payments. You will start to see, uh, you know, your your estate, your fortunes grow. Um, many people don't have a lot of money to get by, uh, you know, living in the middle class and, and and to do what they need to do throughout life. And the home is usually their most valuable asset. Uh, how concerned are you that when we're you're going to sell that asset or you're retiring or 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 scaling back or or you know downsizing what have you that governments are wanting to tax the bejeebers out of that uh and and that's one time in our lives i guess that when we die too that that's when we are rich when you sell that home well, very concerned. We're very concerned about a home equity tax, right? And, and, and what that would essentially do is it would take the proceeds away from the sale of your primary house. And, yeah. and oh man, I mean, how many Canadians uh, use that equity in their home for the retirement, yeah. right? For their golden years. So many people, they, they, they rely on their home. When, so when they sell it, they have the, type, they have the money to, to actually be able to live, um, live well in their golden years. So we're very, very concerned about that. And, and one thing, there's a red flag in this budget is, is there's a tax on foreign homeowners, so-called vacant foreign homeowners. And, you know, that can happen today. But, you know, tomorrow that can transition into a tax on Canadian homes. And um, unfortunately, in 2016, we saw Ottawa start to to make it mandatory for Canadians to actually report the sale of their primary residence, even though it's tax exempt. Um, so, so why are they making us report that if we're not paying taxes on it yet? Um, we also know that the government has already spent thousands of dollars on a study looking at home equity taxes on Canadians. So we're very concerned. And at the end of the day, we have to remember, right, when the government has been overspending like it has for so many years, when we have a $1 trillion worth of debt, well, guess what? The government's either going to find savings or it's going to start coming to Canadians' pockets. So that's what we're really concerned about. Uh, how concerned are you that by the fall uh, we may be heading into an election? Obviously, nobody wants to call an election. Everybody wants the other person to call an election, as no Canadians really want to go to the polls uh, in the grips of a global pandemic. 
Um, but yet we're certainly seeing lots of campaigning going on. Well, I, I think we are, and, and, and I'd be concerned that these politicians are going to start making promises that Canadian taxpayers just can't afford, right? And, and what we're really worried about, too, is that if they do roll out promise after promise after promise, I mean, we're already a trillion dollars in debt. How are we going to pay for all this new spending? Is it going to come with new taxes? Is it going to come with new taxes for future generations? I mean, remember, I, I've, I've talked about this, but we're a trillion dollars in debt. You break that down, and that debt is about more than $28,000 that each Canadian would owe if politicians don't save some money. Now, I sure don't have that money lying around to be paying in federal taxes. I don't know too many Canadians who do have more than $28,000 to pay down the debt. Um, but even importantly, on top of that, is you also have to pay interest charges every single year. Over the next five years, interest charges on the federal debt is going to be $150 billion. Now, what's so scary about that, you know, that's money that's not going to health care. That's money that's not going back into your pockets through lower taxes. That money has to go to the bond fund managers just to service the government's debt. Franco Terrazano with us, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Taxing the rich is a Trojan horse. Franco, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. What would it take for you to incentivize you to get you uh, into the line, get you registered, and get your shot for a COVID-19 vaccination? Free beer? Marijuana and donuts? Some businesses have offered that in the United States. Uber and Lyft car services offering to give you a free ride? to where you can go to get a, uh, a, a, vaccina- a vaccination. Bars offering shots for shots. Uh, companies offering financial uh, incentive for their workers to get a shot. Free lottery tickets to get a shot. Why not? Uh, just some of the incentives that people are using, uh, various um, jurisdictions around the world to get people to get in line and get your vaccination, including the latest United Airlines tempting travelers to get their COVID vaccination with an offer of free flights, giving away like 30 pairs of tickets, and then someone actually wins free travel for a year. Well, I get one in both arms for that. Uh, let's bring in Dr. Marion Jopi, professor with the School of Hospitality, Food and Tourism Management, University of Guelph, and is with us now. Doctor, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you. Are you surprised at this, Marion, that people are offering these sorts of incentives in order to uh, to get people vaccinated? Well, the United States has a real problem with vaccine hesitancy, and they need to reach this this magic number of at least 75% of the population being fully vaccinated in order to uh, really dominate this, this pandemic. Um, luckily, we haven't seen the same degree of vaccine hesitation in Canada. And so you don't see uh, similar offers being put out there. You know, it's interesting considering that, uh, you know, travel and, and uh, you know, obviously the, the hit that travel has taken during this global pandemic. Are you surprised airlines are offering these sorts of incentives to get you flying again? Is it about getting you flying again or get you getting you vaccinated? What's in it for the biz? 
<laughs> I think it's more about getting you flying because they're desperate to, to get the business back. And in order to, A, protect their, their own employees, B, protect their uh, you know, passengers, uh, and C, get back to the numbers that they had uh, pre-pandemic, um, they're doing everything possible to promote. And so the vaccine, and especially having had both doses, is going to be a critical step. It won't be um, the total answer, but it'll certainly protect everybody uh, to a significant degree, according to the, the health experts. So that's what they're really trying to do, is get you to come back, but without endangering anybody. Uh, with United that is doing this, uh, I guess they're giving away 30 pairs of tickets uh, through June, and then someone's going to win free air travel for a year. But this is their frequent flyers that are doing that. Yes. Why them and not you know the rest of, of uh, the airline buying public? Well, the, the frequent flyers are actually the, the people that uh, generate the most revenue for airlines. And so that's why they have the different tiers. And I mean, every airline has its own program um, where, you know, you get more and more perks the, the more you fly with them. And it's to build loyalty in, uh, in the flying public towards one airline as opposed to others. So uh, this is just another perk for their, their frequent flyers and to get them back and back spending. What is your thought, Marion, on how this industry will be once things are opening up? Say the gates opened up tomorrow. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying, I can't wait to get out. I can't wait to travel. Will we see a, a lot of full seats or will we still see empty seats for a while, do you think? Well, uh, Canadians are far more hesitant um, about travel. We are much more cautious. Uh, population than we see, for instance, in the States. So I think it'll take a lot of Canadians uh, quite a bit longer to feel safe, especially when it comes to flying. Uh, they might hop in the car and, and go for, for drives and, and drive destinations. Flying is going to take a li little bit longer. And, and then the next step is flying internationally. Uh, because so many countries are nowhere near where we are in terms of vaccination. And so we're going to be cautious about where we're going to go and, and how vaccination has been rolled out, how safety measures have been implemented, um, because you sure don't want to get sick on your vacation or business travel. Can you see passports, vaccination passports, being an issue for airlines? And I mean, what if you're not vaccinated? Does that mean you 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 don't get to fly? Will we see airlines drawing that line? Uh, well, it's a very contentious issue um, because there is you know privacy concerns and then this this mandatory aspect to it. I think we will see some kind of, uh, call it passport documentation, something um, to say that either you have been vaccinated or um, you have had COVID and, and are somewhat protected. Um, I don't think masks are going to disappear anytime soon on airplanes um, because you'll never have 100% of your passengers that are vaccinated. And blocking people from flying that aren't vaccinated, that's a business decision that airlines will hesitate to implement completely.
So you can't you can't see uh, airlines saying that a vaccine is a prerequisite to boarding. Uh, some of them are toying with the idea. Nobody has gone there so far, uh, simply because not enough people are vaccinated. Now, maybe if we reach 80, 85 percent of the population being vaccinated, they might go that route. But we're not there yet. Um, the cruise ships, again, uh, they are facing a similar problem. They would like to impose uh, vaccination on all passengers and crew members. And yet there are uh, states like Florida, where most of the cruise lines are um, docked. Mm. They will not allow cruise lines to uh, demand the, uh, the vaccination of either their crew or their passengers. And so some of the cruise lines are thinking of relocating. So it's, it's a very thorny wow. issue. And I remember, and we all, we always, you know, we remember way back at the beginning of this pandemic what happened with some cruise uh, cruise ships that had outbreaks on them and such, and, and and what a nightmare it was. Obviously, the cruise industry has to realign with that, and and I think it was uh, a month or so ago, one of the cruise lines, and I believe this was in Europe or the UK. Uh, they were running the same sort of promotion like uh, United is, and they would give you a shot, and they were guaranteeing every. It's like a vaccine cruise. Everyone on there uh, would be fully vaccinated. Is does that is that going to work? Is is for the reasons you just said? Yeah, probably not. But also for for health reasons, because uh, you know we hear time and time again that it takes two to three weeks after the first shot for right. your immune system to actually uh, be fully activated. So getting a shot and going on the cruise immediately, you're not protected. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, so we were talking about uh, obviously the the transportation industry, travel industry, and how it has suffered during this pandemic. As more and more vaccinated, as more and more uh, opens up, are we going to see competitive prices, or is it going to get real expensive to fly? Well, I think in the beginning uh, we will see some good deals just to get people back. But ultimately, uh, all of these businesses, airlines included, will somehow or other um, need to make money back uh, that they've lost in the last uh, year and a half. Um, plus the fact that they are incurring greater costs. I mean, there's a lot of new uh, equipment that has been installed, technology, uh, the cleaning protocols, all of those things, they are not free. And and so I think uh, fairly quickly we will see an increase in prices. Any idea what the capacity is now that, uh, that these airlines are running on? I mean, obviously, we're starting to see it pick up more and more, but uh, are they still operating at, at cripp uh, cripplingly low levels? In Canada, absolutely. Um, they're probably down 85 to 90 percent of yeah. where they were pre-pandemic. In the States, it's a different story. The domestic market, because it is so huge in the States, they're almost back to pre-pandemic levels. Internationally, uh, not at all, um, because, again, there is real hesitancy about where you're going. Now, Europe is opening up to Americans uh, starting this summer, the problem for airlines is that uh, the U.S. is not opening up to Europeans. And mm. so you sort of say, well, we can fly people to Europe, but we can't bring Europeans to, to mm. uh, the United States. 
And from a business perspective, that makes little sense. So, uh, again, uh, the answers aren't there yet. Uh, Do you think the U.S. border will remain closed for a while? It's obviously now scheduled to uh, remain closed till June 21st. It gets extended by 30 days at a time. Any surprises there for you? Not really. Uh, Canadians, again, are very hesitant about opening up the border. Um, You know, the vast majority of Canadians wants to see it remain closed until we've got it, you know, under control here in Canada. Um, And and so, you know, politicians are being supported really in their decision to keep the border closed. Americans are starting to really push hard, especially at the political level, to see it open up uh, because our economies are so intertwined. And uh, it's it's just slowed the whole thing down. And, and so who knows whether we'll give in to that pressure from the Americans um, sooner or later. Dr. Marion Joppe with us, professor with the School of Hospitality, Food and Tourism Management at the University of Guelph. Uh, lots of companies, uh, specifically airlines, uh, United Airlines, the example we're using, attempting travelers to get their COVID-19 vaccines with an offer of free flights even for a year. Uh, Doctor, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.